If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, To Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Appreciate you joining us as always. Hope your day is going well. It's going to get better in a second. After this segment concludes, we'll welcome in offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, Alex Adkins, who's done a real good job for Florida State. I previewed it last hour. I mentioned he was going to be on the program. Tom and I talked a little bit about his coaching style on the offensive line. He'll join us to talk about the group he has to work with this year, which is bountiful. Uh, which is bountiful, and I don't remember, I don't know of in the last uh, 23 years that they had this many guys competing for starting jobs on the offensive line. I'm going back to 99, Tom. Uh, I, I was on the air here in 98, but in 99, they, you know, they went wire to wire and won the national championship, and uh, it was one of the great seasons. By the way, the first program uh, to ever do that, it should still be mentioned. It's been done since, but we were the first. And um, and I and I that offensive line was really really good, but I don't remember it being twelve deep. I, I you know I don't I, I don't. It was really good. The twenty thirteen national championship team starting five was sensational. The starting five uh, pro caliber offensive linemen in many cases guys that. Uh, uh, you know, went on to the league and had success and are still having success in some cases. Um, but they weren't incredibly deep. We held our breath about, you know, whether or not if Stork went down or anybody else went down, you kind of thought like, oh, oh this could be a problem. Um, 2014, same thing. Wasn't wasn't nearly as deep as, as what we see now. The quality of the starting five were, it was better in 99. It was better in 2013. But the depth, mm, I don't think we've had this much depth in an awful long time. Maybe, maybe in the entirety of my time covering this team, this program, which is again, getting to be absurd in the number of years. And every time I reference it, I feel ancient, but I mean, we're cruising in on 24 years now, but you could be ancient and still learn something new. Cause that's yeah. what we're seeing here this spring. Yeah. And you could even go make it simple. Look at the tackle depth here at FSU. And are all these guys true tackles? No, no, we're not quite there yet where you've got a fact there though getting there 
six dudes that are true tackles. But Robert Scott is a holdover. Uh, they might like to move him inside if they could find, you know, two starting tackles that they feel good about. Maybe Alex Atkins will speak to that one way or the other. But Robert Scott is where you start. From there, Bless Harris returns into the fold. Uh, Jazz turn time played a ton of right tackle for us last year. They wanted him at guard, but we suffered an injury, and so he played uh, a lot of games at right. From there, though, it gets quite interesting because you could play Byers, the transfer, one of the transfers that came in at tackle. Darius Washington is an emergency guy, but then you've got the young pups, Julian Armella, which is somebody who was getting important reps in the fall, especially by midseason, and he was, I think, second on the list of the two deep. I don't know that that was actually the way it was going to play out if they had an injury, but he was listed on the two deep as the second guy. Mm -hmm. uh, then you've got uh, Jalen earlier, Daughtry Richardson. They liked early as the season went along, late in the season, if you will, pardon the pun. And then Lucas Simmons, the true freshman, who is absolutely at six foot eight, 307, a true tackle prospect, even unlike Armella. Like this dude is out of a factory. No, he's an NFL tackle prospect, like potential if he plays well and puts on strength and size, a first round pick. Correct. So just looking at those guys and maybe one or two of them shifts in to play guard. I mean, you could see as many as three of them, you know, Bless or Darius or, or Robert move inside if they have answers that they like on the outside. But you're talking about seven guys, seven guys that are vying for two tackle spots. Man, most of the time we had four guards and a guy that is tall enough to be a tackle, but not athletic enough to be a tackle. And it's like, this is what you have. Now that is just on the outside for the battle of those uh, two jobs. In the interior, you got a host of other names that are capable of being either starters or primary backups and rotational pieces. It's just incredible. It, I have never. It, it's easy for me, having been an undergrad in 06, all the way through present day living in Tallahassee, I've never seen anything like this in terms of depth. They've been able to pull off a practice in Jimbo's era in which they had three separate offenses going at once, but they weren't that the floor of the talent on the offensive line wasn't as good as this. Was the upper end as good as it used to be in 2013, 2014? No, I don't think these starting five are as good as those groups. No. But but if you're talking about the overall 1 through 12, 1 through 15, it's as good as it's been. Easily as good as it's been. Well, it's exciting, and I think that's why we continue to talk about it. I mean, spring does get started. We have our luncheon next week. We'll continue to reiterate that. We'll have it covered for you here on Warchant.com and the Jeff Cameron Show. Wake up, Warchant. Some of the headlines and all the articles that you'll see on a daily basis. And we'll have these interviews like we've been doing this week. Yesterday was Adam Fuller. Today is Alex Atkins. Next week, we sit down with all of the coaches at said lunch, and we'll have opportunities to do interviews and bring you plenty of audio and video from that. Look forward to it, in fact. But, yes, this all is – uh, working to create quite the buzz, and it's not a manufactured buzz, uh, a quite the buzz surrounding a spring football practice, which may be as pivotal as we've seen since 2013. Uh, you got now a program that is, you know, reaching for greater heights, period. And they make no bones about it. They're not afraid or they're not shooing expectations. They have not deflected those expectations. They've embraced those expectations. I think this is the right way to go about it. I think it's a smart thing to do. Uh, Mike Norvell understands that, uh, this team is 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 a team that can win a lot of football games, and why would you shy away from embracing their potential? You have to challenge them. You've got enough evidence from the last two years, especially this last season, that when you played the better teams on your schedule, you didn't dominate and you didn't win 
Um, but but maybe one time, and that was against LSU. That was the one. That was the best team you beat last year. It was the first game of the year, and you should be proud of that. It matters. It counts. That was a big win for Florida State. But you lost to Wake. You lost to Clemson. You lost to NC State. They weren't even in good. You narrowly beat Louisville, and I understand the situation. That was a good win. But again, another hard-fought close game. Florida was not a good football team, and they ran rough shot over your defense in that game. And Oklahoma had a rough season, and yet you went into that bowl game, and they kind of did whatever they wanted for most of that game on offense so you have the tools to challenge your team but you have the evidence that they can be really good because there were plenty of pockets of time in last year's schedule where they were very good where they ran roughshod over mediocre teams where they dominated and controlled large swaths of the action I think that is the ammunition any coach would want there's enough fodder where you can dangle the carrot and say see this this ain't good, guys. I know you may think that we won 10 games and we're we're you know we're about to graduate to a national championship contending team, but if this is any indicator, we won't come close. And then at the same time, if you feel like they're down and they need a little shot in the arm, show them pockets of time where that offense is unstoppable. And you got a ton of evidence of that. And you even have moments where entire halves are dominated by the defense where teams can't get a first down. So you have plenty of Highlights, lowlights to mix and fodder and use as you head into spring uh, to get excited and motivate and or uplift your team. Yeah, and you've got the urgency that LSU and Clemson are two of your first four opponents. Yeah. And so if you can't dilly-dally because you're going to gear up and, and ease on into the schedule. This doesn't have a week zero. There is no Duquesne to get the thing started before you take on a big-time opponent. And we all know what the stakes are gonna, going to be in that game. I mean, all these preseason lists that you're seeing on threes producing one every hour, it seems like. But they're fun now because we're on them. You know, it's like it's more relevant to us because you, sure. see our, you see the FSU logo, which is iconic, that logo next to our own players' names. But LSU has a lot of players on each of these lists as well. Like we, we were talking about the quarterback list and Jordan Travis was listed sixth. And I thought that was a little light. Well, Jaden Daniels was listed seventh. And then when you talk about overall players in the college game, Jared Verse was listed fifth. Harold Perkins is on that list, and he's going to be a menace to be. deal with, and, and he should be in that game. Uh, Malik Neighbors has gotten into trouble recently. It looks like he's out of it now in LSU. Something about a, I forget what the charge is. I won't do that thing that uh, Harry Doyle did in Major League uh, with the paternity suits versus parking tickets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's one of the best receivers in college football coming back this year. So it's just every time you see that list, LSU's logo is there just as much as Florida State's, sometimes even more. And that is something that reinforces the notion that there is no time to waste. Not on Monday, March 6th, not on the first day of fall camp or any day in between. You have to be ready to freaking go if you're going to go to the places that we want to. Because while it's not a playoff game to kick off the year, it kind of is close to a playoff game to kick off the year. By the way, just for clarification purposes, and those at home, LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors will not face a charge following his arrest in New Orleans on account of carrying an illegal weapon. There you go. There you go. That is the story. Uh, as he was scheduled for a bond hearing Mardi Gras day, but the state refused charges on the condition that he surrendered the firearm that they found him with. He agreed to surrender said firearm and thus avoid charges. So, We've got balance on the Jeff Cameron show. We want you to know what was going on with that. I think if you're Malik neighbors in the SEC and given the current climate and some things that have happened recently, you'd gladly surrender that weapon and move along very quietly. 
Yeah, I believe that report came out before the Alabama one. So timing matters because if it came out now, perhaps it would be viewed differently. But instead, you know, the charges are dropped, just like he dropped a couple of punts uh, that we couldn't score touchdowns on in the Superdome. <laughs> and if we did, then maybe Fabian Lovett wouldn't have gotten hurt, and we might not have lost three straight. But I digress. I digress. It's okay. Fabian's back. I like that you don't let that go. I don't. It's yes. It's B. I don't care about that final drive. I care about what t- what it took to get to that final drive, and the legacy of that. It's like I won't let go Jenkins' injury from the from the 2012 opener. Yeah. I mean, you probably don't lose the NC State game if that kid doesn't go down. I yeah. mean, good Christmas. Anyway. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Uh, they were handing out gifts in the Superdome right there. That young man himself uh, was handing out gifts in much of the way he's handing out a gun now. Uh, yeah, and there it was. And there it was with an opportunity to to maybe rout LSU uh, in that moment. But uh, but alas, but alas. Hey, that's okay. Caught some breaks along the way as well. And you got to always fall back on that and make yourself feel better when you get uh, mired in the muck of frustration. It's the Jeff Cameron Show. I should mention that yet again, Alex Adkins set to join us next. Uh, stay with us. Don't want to miss it. We'll talk to uh, offense coordinator and offensive line coach Alex Atkins next on the Jeff Cameron Show. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. It's the week of the coordinators. How great has this been? It's our great privilege to add on to the list as we bring in offensive coordinator, offensive line coach Alex Atkins to the fold. Hello, coach. Good to have you on board. Good to talk to you again. Man, I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back. I like the name of a real talk radio. That's my yeah. kind of deal, isn't it? We'll get straight to it then, right? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's get real. I mean, hey, so let's start with big picture here. First year, last year as the OC and coordinating that. What's your week like now, game week like now, when putting together – I guess a game plan coach and, and, and working with the other position coaches, um, do they report to you and, and tell you what they're seeing? And then you collaborate and talk to coach Norvell. How does that workflow work? Yeah, we got, um, we have a good system of, you know, everybody's involved in the game plan week. So basically, you know, we all have our, our specialties, whether it be red zone, third down, short yarders and things like that. Every coach has a specific area that that's their expertise. And um, so everybody has a time set up. What I do is I organize a schedule where throughout the week, whether it be on that Monday at, at 11 o'clock, let's say Coach Thompson, he has a third medium pass game. Uh, me and Coach Novell will be in the, in the room, in the um, staff room, and they'll come in and present, and then we'll kind of finalize it. So it's cool now because, you know, the years prior, I had my expertise roles. Now I'm involved in all of the, um, the game planning, which is, which is, which is fun to do. Yeah, it's got to be fun. And that offense began to really click last year, Coach. Um, I think now when you look at it, you get, you get two new tight ends, right, and Kyle Morlock and Jaheim Bell, and that adds on to Marquiston Douglas and what he was doing in the second half of the season especially. Um, with that, What does that kind of versatility do now for the room, for the offense? Yeah, whenever you can get in those you know, 12 personnel sets and get more tight ends on the field and also tight ends that can not only – block but also stretch the field vertically it gives you some fun you know ideas and toys and concepts to play with and also we got some young guys coming along with Jarrell Powers and Jackson West so that room is developing nicely coming up this offseason that's um it's gonna be a fight to get on the field because you're just talking about that depth of talent yeah. um when, or we when just you put talk, them all in there. 
I'm sorry? Or we just put them all out there. <laughs> That's true. We put them all out there. Hey, you want competition. I, I, eventually, I'm going to get to the offensive linemen, but one of the things that stands out to me as we get set to head into spring and why I'm so enthusiastic to be able to provide context for my listeners is that and I was saying this yesterday with Adam Fuller and I said it with Mike Norvell last week, you get competition and a depth of competition, quality competition at almost every position this year. Obviously, we know who the returning quarterback is, but really there's depth of quality competition throughout the roster. Yeah, and it should be like that. I mean, we're going into year four. Um, we're pretty much the same offensive staff, same philosophy, same standards, a lot of the same guys on defense. So we're getting to the point where all that work and, 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 and investment and all that kind of stuff is starting to get to that point. So, you know, it, it's good to have, but, you know, as we're moving forward and taking that next step, I mean, that's what we need to have and that's what we should have. What do you want to see when you go into a spring uh, camp, Coach? Uh, do you have a checklist of things that you would like to have resolved by the end of the spring to know before you head into fall camp? I've got this, this, and this, and I feel good about this. Or do you not look at it that way? Do you look at it as it's it's wide open? Obviously, coaches are always going to talk about breeding competition. I'm just kind of curious about a checklist in the spring when you have this much talent and you're seeking that balance and you're looking for that competition, what is it you're looking to accomplish throughout the spring? Spring is about development and understanding. Um, you know, we want to, you know, we're like, we're in mat drills right now. We're in our tour duty process of, you know, understanding toughness and fighting through and seeing guys kind of reach just incremental growth every day of what they can become, whether that been from a starter that's been starting for three years or got us fighting just to get off scout team, you know, it's just basically, development and, and then our knowledge of the offense and the schemes and the, and the concepts and then just basically uh, memorizing the flashes so their reaction time is faster so it's just a complete you know evaluation development um, understanding of, of, of the knowledge of everything and and basically like it's not like I like what you said like the depth charts and things like that like we do um walkthroughs that we're allowed to do I tell the guys I don't care who's out there as long as it's five you know I don't particularly care who's out there. There's no depth chart. There's no one, two, three. I don't care. As long as five people show up, I'm good. So now they kind of challenge them also to jump in there. Like I tell them, I don't care who, I don't care what receivers jump in. As long as it's, when the personnel grouping is in, we got the right amount of people out there. So you go out there and go get those reps, you know, because that's not the focus at the moment. The focus right now is making sure we're developing, we're, we're, we're reaching heights and, and different benchmarks that we need to get to in their personal lives also, but just getting better overall. Coach, I've had offensive coordinators and, and, and head coaches who are offensive-minded tell me that one of the ways that they knew their quarterback was progressing and had figured out maybe the offense or the playbook was when they start to ask the right kind of questions. Mm -hmm. And that in the meeting room, they're asking the kinds of questions that suggest they have a greater grasp of what they're doing. When you're judging an offensive lineman in that regard, what is it that you know, uh, let's say we're going into spring here like we are, is there something that indicates to you, oh, this guy's about to take a step? Beyond just the physical, they're bigger and stronger, let's say, from year to year. Do you do you hear something like that, like the right question, or the, is he doing the right things that tells you this is a player that, that, that has an opportunity? Absolutely. You know, I look at it as a toolbox. You know, as, as my job is to give them the basic tools. You know, if you need – you know, your screwdriver, your flathead, your, your ratchet set, the basic things when you first walk into a tool store and you're your first time going to, to Home Depot or Lowe's or your first house you just bought, you're excited. So you go get those foundational sets. But then as you get deeper in it, you might say, hmm, that take that requires a different wrench. 
So when I said, when I see players start looking for those specialty tools mm. to be able to up their game, they're not just at the base, man, I'm just trying to, you know, fix a light switch. Now they're talking about, okay, now I need this transponder to hit the electrical wire. Like when it gets deeper into it, that's how you know the progression is being made where they're going from being a football player to basically a, like not, they're just not just, I'm sorry, they're not just a ball, uh, a football player. They're going into more that, that, that this is the way of life. Like I want to be an expertise at my craft. I want to master my craft. So it's not, I, I, I like the questions concept of it. It's just more of like, all right, coach, I know how to take a 45 degree set. But now when I get to the bottom of the set, can I kind of go with my inside hand to the armpit or the, or the bicep to lock the arm and I can grab? Like when you start getting into those conversations of personal growth where Rob Scott is different from Bless Harris. So mm-hmm. those two boats, they get the base coaching package, but now how do they up their games individually? How do they become masters of their craft? So we want to give them that, that first starter ratchet set. We want to give them that first starter screwdriver set. And then they want to, now they want to go get electrical tools and they want to tear down walls. And so when you see that progression of those light bulbs going off, like, man, I can do more with this is when you know you, 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 you're cooking with some good food now. Are you handy with a recip saw? No, not me. Not the board. <laughs> All I know about is these third ones. I'm sorry, get better than that. Yeah, given the uh, analogy and the metaphor, I thought, man, my man's handy around the house. I got to see what he does. Uh, no, only the only thing I'm handy with is making sure that you know I ain't, I ain't in the way. <laughs> Coach, you bring in uh, Jeremiah Byers from UTEP and, and Casey mm-hmm. Roddick from Colorado and, and Keandre Jones from Auburn. Um, and this is on the heels of successfully providing quality depth and even starters via the portal a year ago. Um, I guess I would ask you, what is it you're looking for when you're looking at potential transfer portal kids for the offensive line? What, 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 what do they have to have? What, what, are, you, what, what are you checking off the, the boxes there that uh, before you even begin to think about bringing them in? The one, they have to have the heart of giving and supporting to the guys already got on the roster. You know, when I first make contact with a guy that's an older guy or a poor guy, the first thing is I'm asking to say, look, man, I'm bringing you in here to provide a different, basically a different perception to the guys that are already here. We signed some guys here that this all they know is this way. And with you being a porter, you understand that there's different ways to do it. So, number one, I want you to come help them and teach them, hey, you know, this I've been through this or be that experience for them. But also, you know, there's a point of gratitude of understanding the good things that they're getting that they might have didn't get or just the change and how it helped them. So it's just different perceptions. And I also want them to challenge me like, hey, coach, I see it done like this. Why did we do it like this? Because now my players in that room see those conversations and, and it's about finding the best way. So number one, they got to come in with a heart of giving and understanding that their job is to come in here and pour into the guys that are already on this roster. Now, they're also going to elevate themselves and make sure they're on point and getting better to try to get on the field. But it's all about giving back to those guys. So I tell them, if you come in this room and it's a and it's a selfish or I'm coming here to play type of mentality, you're not going to make it here very long. And that's how you can keep locker rooms intact and pulling in the same direction, right? I mean, that has been well documented that the portal has been successfully utilized by you and the entire staff to this point. And there doesn't seem to be any cultural you know, degradation. Everybody seems to be on the same page and not really taking offense to that. I think it's a hot topic, but I mean, the year before we signed five high school offensive linemen, you know, and then this year we brought Lucas Simmons in and Andre Otto. Mm-hmm. So we're, 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 the portal is supplemental, 
we just hit on this. We've hit on some good players in it. So now that becomes the, the, the topic of discussion because those other young guys we got are still developing in their development process, but they're also still in the picture. They're still also competing. Those guys are just a little bit older and probably a little bit more experienced, but like we got some guys right now on the heels of putting some of them dudes on the bench. So they better be, be on point. It's a good problem to have, Coach. So much experience and talented players battling for, for five spots, if you will. Is it an exaggeration to say you have, I don't know, a dozen or more guys that you could conceivably see win starter, starters jobs? High possibility. You know, I, I think that's probably a good number at it. But what I've also learned is, man, you can get to the summer, one of these guys can come out of nowhere on you and really do it. Like, you know, I mean, it can really jump up and, and make a lot of strides and, and, and kind of be more like that's what happened with Rob Scott when he first got here. Oh, it was a guy that under the radar couldn't even go through individual drills with me. You know, he, I had to put him on the side, and he worked with 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 um with Man Ray at the time, who was here was his graduate assistant. Now with Coach Cooper, and he had to do his own thing because he wasn't even physically able to go. But when you saw about game two or three, he started figuring it out, and you know, he came in, he sat some people down. So it's interesting to see the dynamic of guys that just kind of once that light bulb goes off, and they're like, "All right, I'm all in." It's just that change can happen rather quickly. I hate to single out any one guy. You mentioned him, and the fan base is going to want to hear your thoughts on what's possible for a freshman like Lucas Simmons. Obviously, a very high-profile recruit, and and a lot of people have described him uh, as as a future NFL tackle. That's many years from now, perhaps. But your thoughts on the fact that you know you've had to utilize at times what people would consider to be guards playing tackle and and the like. You now have guys that are more quote unquote suited to play tackle. He's six foot eight, three hundred plus pounds coming in as a freshman. Your thoughts on him and maybe some others that you may want to mention. So you got Lucas Simmons coming in with a work mentality. You know, I'll give him a, a good shout out because, you know, I hadn't had to deal with him. He's been on point academically. He's been on point with attendance. He's working hard. You know, he, he's learning it. He's doing a good job of kind of taking his own time to demand it. But, I mean, you got guys like Lucas Simmons. You got guys like Julian Armella. You got Dalton Richardson. You got Jalen Early. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's four young guys right there that are really competing to make contributions that are going to surprise some people. You know, those guys are, are really dedicated to it right now. They're working hard, and they and the competition that we brought in has kind of upped their elevation of focus. So, you know, be, it's going to be fun to watch. I always tell them it's like Drake. We're going to see. <laughs> it's good to talk to you, Coach. I appreciate you making time for us today. I'll see you out there on the football field. It's going to be a fun spring. Be well, good, sir. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right, take care. It's Alex Atkins, the offensive coordinator for Florida State, also offensive line coach. Got a bevy of players to work with as we head into spring and a lot of talent. Should be a lot of fun to document that as we move forward. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Atkins joining us on the Jeff Cameron show. He's got to feel like a kid in the candy store right about now. I mean, you got a lot of options and I brought up those options a little bit with Jaheim Bell and Kyle Warlock and Keaston Douglas and how good biscuit was at the end of the year there. And I don't know, man, I, I, I think this Florida state offense um, is in good hands to say the least. I think that the 
the marriage of what uh, he and Mike Norvell do in game preparation, uh, but then also hearing how they bring in, it's very much collaborative. And uh, it's a natural segue for me, I guess, in a way. I didn't mean it to be, but now that we're here at this point of the show, it is Thursday after all, and this is when we like to partner with our friends and collaborate with our partners at ISF. Uh, you guys know about ISF. I want to I do something today with ISF because we know that uh, they, they work with um, uh, the state, oftentimes state agencies, and, and make them more efficient. And, and they get, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but for example, they did a, uh, a feasibility study for the Department of Children and Families, and, and they worked with that group to define sort of their vision and goals for the future. And uh, it's a critical system serving the public good. They know all that, but they're able to provide a detailed roadmap, a roadmap ISF is, uh, to the modernization of technology and, and operations. And, and they update the documentation for the department to request funding for uh, improvements, that kind of stuff. Now, that's what ISF does. But here's how it's applicable to us on the Jeff Cameron Show and how we utilize it here is those, those kinds of studies, those kinds of examples, feasibility studies, for example, go back to it, Tom, when we were talking uh, to Ingram and, and the battle's in. And, and really, you could talk about it with an athletic department, and you can talk about it with the football program specifically. You can talk about it, certain segment groups, whatever it is. How do we become more efficient? How are we more effective? How do we best utilize what we do have? What are we lacking? How do we fundraise to make up for what we're lacking if it's a monetary unit that you're talking about? These are all things that Florida State has to do. These are all things that most successful organizations have to do identifying how to best use your funds and getting back to the battles in, well, they clearly identified roster retention. What's the next step for Florida state and the proper utilization of said funds and how effective they can be year to year, year end over year, most organizations, whether it's ISF or the battles in or the Jeff Cameron show or the Florida state athletic department are looking to improve on a year-to-year -year basis, on an annual basis, not remain status quo because there's always ways, there are always ways to get better and become more effective, effective and efficient. I, I, it is going to be curious to see what that is from a collective standpoint, but as it pertains to Florida State's football program beyond the money, which is what I'm referencing there, and they really have figured out the most efficient and effective way to utilize the portal without upsetting the roster and the culture in that locker room. Well, that, that is probably the number one thing, Tom, sorry, probably the number one thing that I think this staff has done in, in the midst of a quick turnaround. Look at what coach Atkins was talking about though. And, and like, yeah, ISF does it with words that, you know, are multi-syllabic, you know, they're five and six syllables a piece. And you're like, Oh my God. It's like when you read a job application and you're like, doesn't that just mean that I make the company smarter and more efficient? Like, that's a lot of words. Well, that's what they do as a business to help with state agencies and, and all that. But it's something we do in our everyday lives. And Alex Atkins' example is very simple, where he's saying, if you come from another institution, share all the knowledge you have. We are more efficient if we combine all of the knowledge that we all have in this room right now and decide what is the best path forward for this scheme, this play, this game plan, like wh whatever it is. Okay. We did it this way at Colorado. 
interesting. I like that thought. Don't reject the thought. Accept it. See if it applies. If we if we're already doing something better, so be it. If we're not, then let's replace it with something that's better and that makes this whole operation smoother. And that's what the math is when he's looking at an offensive line transfer. It's what you need to do when you are a collective and you're talking about year to year. What is the most efficient use of our dollar? Is it going to be in the transfer portal or is it actually going to be in the high school ranks this year? Because I will bet you that each year, and we didn't ask Ingram this, but I'll bet he would not, even if he can't say the quiet part out loud, that there are going to be competitors, more competitors in the market for transfers in the next couple of years because of what Florida State has done successfully. And so therefore, maybe the value is going to be lowered on the moves you can make in the portal. Because if you've got five bidders for something at an auction, the price goes higher. And so now you need to pivot and be nimble and go into the high school ranks. You've got to be able to move back and forth. And the question is, I think it's a year-to-year specific thing. Where is the best use of our dollar as a collective? Alex Atkins has this method about what they do when they get here. But, you know, one thing that facilitates a kid to go from Colorado to Florida State or UTEP to Florida State is what can the collective do for them? Well, there's two things here, or really more than that, but I want to I address two things that you said that I think are very interesting um, and add to that. It's refreshing to hear a coach suggest that any transfer that comes in needs to challenge him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a one-way street. You're coming in. It's a, it's a more effective way, interestingly enough, of self-scouting. Yeah. And it's also removing ego. You're not assuming that everything you do is 100% maximized in terms of efficiency. You understand there are other good football coaches, lots of them. They're all over the country. And if you get a kid that comes from a program, and Alex Atkins knows this, he was at Charlotte. If you get a kid that comes from another program, maybe a lesser tier program or one that hasn't had as much success or doesn't have as much cachet, it doesn't mean he didn't learn valuable lessons from his coach. And I think to have an open mind in that way to suggest that they can only aid beyond the physical, but also in the film room and in the meeting rooms and the kinds of questions you ask is incredible because that speaks to, again, always wanting to get better and becoming more efficient and self-scouting and doing that self-scouting, not only within the group of coaches, but within the groups of players that you bring in. That's huge. It's another plus and that category of many pluses for Alex Atkins as a coach in the way that we evaluate him uh, and continue to learn about him and his process. Uh, as far as uh, the, the second part of that, there is an efficiency question and a market question within uh, the collectives beyond just what is the value of this player that is on your roster. It is also position by position, what are teams finding to be a greater asset and more difficult to build. So for example, it is a lot harder to find um, an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman that is of the skill set that will play in the league and can dominate the line of scrimmage and project that out. Um, It's a lot harder to find that in the portal. Those guys go quick and they are expensive. If you find an elite defensive lineman as in a game changer 
And they did not know Jermaine Johnson was going to be a first-round draft pick. If Georgia had known that, they would have never let Jermaine Johnson walk. That was a mistake, and we took advantage of it. It's a mistake that is understandable that Georgia made because they have a bevy of really good players who win in the first round. Yeah, they win the title anyway. So Well, yeah, they had 15 guys go. So, you know, it, it can happen that Jermaine got lost in the shuffle when you have an embarrassment of riches. Most places easily identify that they have a first-round pick on the offensive line or defensive line because they're rare, and you don't find a lot of them, folks, in the transfer portal. You find them in the high school ranks. You find that game-changer that dominated in high school, has the body type, and projects in the next two years to be a dominant starter in your league, and by year three, he's off to the pros. Because, again... There's so few of those guys looking to leave. The schools aren't letting those guys leave. So now you have to allot more money that you're going to spend as a collective on those kinds of players as opposed to a receiver, a defensive back, or a running back. So you're going to say this guy's worth more because of the position he plays and the level he plays it at as opposed to we can get 17 players as a deep. How many defensive backs have we just rolled in here from the portal? Some have worked, some haven't. None have been dominant players. But, you know, you had some really good players, Jamie Robinson being one of them. Um, So you can seemingly find defensive backs. You're not finding a ton of all-world offensive and defensive linemen in the portal. Let's hope Florida State just did. But it's going to be interesting to watch. And anyhow, how you allocate your funds, how you value each position, even within the realm of uh, the transfer portal, is fascinating. We're learning more and more all the time. Who's worth more and why? That's something that Ingram said in the previous hour, which is, like, what's the value of our coaching staff? I find that interesting. And I, I don't know if he meant this specifically, but here's how I take it. Alex Atkins' reputation keeps getting better. Extraordinary. And- as an offensive line coach, you know, the coordinator thing is growing and he's been a coordinator elsewhere before yes. he got to Florida state. So that's worth pointing out. But when, when it comes to the, the position of the offensive line and what he's done to improve, what has been awful and a laughing stock here at Florida state has people around the country taking notice. And it's not just other coaches at other institutions or the, at the NFL level, it's also recruits and high school coaches that want to put their kids in a position because it's to the high school coaches' benefit if they coach up a kid until they're 18, send them off, and they go to the NFL. Who gives them the best chance? It helps me as a high school coach. It helps everybody. Well, Alex Atkins' reputation, if it improves, almost serves as a discount when you're looking at the dollars and cents to get a player from the high school ranks or the portal. Because when you are the best or you are among the best at what you do, people will take less in order to get the knowledge that you have in your brain to make them better. It won't cost you a million. If you had a God awful offensive line coach and you needed to revamp your offensive line, it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars more to fit up that line with better players. Yeah. I'd almost argue you couldn't do it because there are too many options of really good offensive line coaches and and systems. Yeah. Correct. The only way it's possible is to overpay. Yeah. But if you've got a badass, then, you know, if it's a, offer that's 10% less or 20% less than another contender, you know, I'll make more money in the long run is what the kid is going to say. And the kid is going to be advised and he's going to be advised rightly. So it all comes down to dollars and cents, but the better you get as a coach, the more value you have. So I don't know if that's what Ingram was driving home a point for, 
But I could see where that's an application that, again, you're talking about efficiency and every dollar matters for a collective budget and all that kind of stuff. The better you are as a coaching staff, the cheaper the player is going to be because they need you. Well, and Mike Norvell has proven to be invaluable in that way as well. Players respond to his pitch. Players respond to his methodology. Players respond to his energy, his focus, his intensity. They've said it every time they get interviewed after they sign when they had equal opportunity to play at programs that had had more success and had been more established in the last five years. Why did they choose Florida state out of the five offers they had? It came down to Norvell and the vision that he projected upon their game and their futures within this program. But also Tom, what's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I, we've had this conversation. It's always nuanced. It's not one thing or the other. What I find fascinating and interesting is that I believe in the era of NIL, and we'll see what regulations are coming down the pike and if there's uniformity down the line. But the bottom line is, in addition to having the funds and resources, you've got to have that to compete. But once you are in the ballpark and you're not at a distinct disadvantage when vying for certain players – Uh, It really becomes all about your coaching staff and all about how effectively you develop players. It's, It's not enough to just pay a player to come play football. Lots of teams will pay a player to come play football. Am I going to be put in a position to succeed as in I want to play in the league? Well, that only happens not with the money being offered you, but the ability to develop you, to find out what it is you do best, put you in a position to succeed and get the most out of your skill set and further develop areas of weakness, for example. Alex Adkins' reputation precedes him because guys come here, get better, learn how to play the position from a technique standpoint, but also they have success now these days on the field, winning football games. That's changed. We've talked about the ammunition Mike Ravel now has that he's won some games. Alex Atkins has that same ammunition. I'm a really good coach. I'll develop you. I'm going to make things hard on you, but you'll be better for it. No, by the way, you're going to win games. We're winning games now. You're not just coming here to get better and elevate your stock. You're coming here to get better, elevate your stock, and win. That is such a, a, a difference maker when we get into this game. They've already won the transfer portal battle repeatedly, but now they're armed with wins. So it gets more interesting. That said, if I looked at it the other way, uh, the, the, the more established you are in recruiting and the more successful you are in recruiting high school players year over year, the less you have to utilize the portal. And the harder it's going to get, too, as your roster becomes too deep with talent to bring a guy in and have him replace any of your starters. You've had a need for all these guys because your roster wasn't up to snuff. So in order to become a more efficient winner and sooner, you had to go to the portal. As you win more consistently, the higher caliber level of recruits are interested in coming to you. You won't need as many portal players. I think it's a natural progression to watch them develop and get better in the area of high school recruiting because of that success. And Atkins was quick to point out that, look, you know, this is this is a narrative. And it's true. We brought in some good players in the portal, but I did just sign a badass class in 2022, and then I brought in a couple of guys that we think are going to be quite good in the 2023 class. And he's right to point that out. But just a, a couple more notes on him. You could see why he's a fast riser. Number one, he's willing to entertain ideas from other schools, lower level schools in Florida State, because he was at one. He knows that, hey, man, I was imparting good knowledge to kids at Charlotte. And I'm sure they went on other places like, where the hell did you hear that? Well, my, my coach at Charlotte. It doesn't matter where you are, you know, in a moment. You could still teach a kid at Charlotte or at Florida State or at Washington State 
something really valuable that makes them a good player at the next level. And to not be afraid of that idea, to be able to delegate and collaborate, as he was talking about the install meetings and how everybody has an assignment. Like there are dudes and there are women out there in the workforce that are so afraid to say, I don't know, or I need help. And they feel like if they need help or they don't know the answer to a question, this is across the board, like they're going to get fired or something. It's no, sometimes the greatest thing you could do to impart strength to the organization is say, help me, help me understand something better. Or I'm overworked. I need you to work with me to make this whole operation work better. And that's where you can see Alex Atkins, not only on the field, and we've talked a lot about him this hour, but he's a really interesting guy. You could see the aptitude on the field, the way he coaches players. You assume that there's aptitude on the same level in the meeting room. But now in, in terms of as his own career path, somebody who's not afraid to work with others, somebody who's not afraid of new ideas, somebody who's not afraid to empower his position coaches, even though he's their boss now as the offensive coordinator, that's a guy that everybody wants to work with. Plain and simple. And if you're really good at your job on top of it, that's how you move fast up the ranks and with the prospect of long-term success, not a quick flash in the pan level of success. You think about it at every level in any organization. You know, if we bring it back to the world of entertainment, you and I are in the world of entertainment to some degree. We also are part reporter, part entertainer, part you name it. Uh, Obviously, you direct creative content here for War Chant. You know, I do the Jeff Cameron show and then... uh, I'm an asset in other ways within the company in terms of things we do away from the show. These are all, everybody's got a role. Everybody's doing something, but the point would be, you've got to know that that's part of a collective and not be afraid of that. I mean, if we're talking about entertainment, for example, none of your nightly talk show hosts that have made it huge, David Letterman or whoever you want to point to Johnny Carson before him. Well, they don't write those jokes. Yeah. They write an area. One of them. I mean, there's an occasional, Hey, I had an idea. And they're all funny guys in their own right, and they earn their way to get in that position. But once they're in that position, they'd be foolish not to take in all this other advice and and opportunities and and suggestions. Now, they have to make it their own, and they have to make it funny, and they have to deliver it, and they have to do all those things. But those guys, they're in a room in the back sipping on coffee for 19 hours. So when the host walks in, he's like, what do you got for me? You know, and and then he owns it. And half the time, that writer couldn't deliver that joke. But that's fine. That's all collaborative. And that's a little bit what we're talking about with solving for the future in ISF, but it's also why I think so many people are collectively excited about this organization that FSU has right now. They can see all of the pieces working together and they do so to some degree. Everybody's got an ego, but they're seemingly egoless. I mean, think about what Mike Norv, the fact that on the Jeff Cameron show this week, here you go. Humble brag. On the Jeff Cameron show this week, we have had the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator. And last week we had the head coach. And oh, by the way, thanks to FSU for that. Thanks to Tom Lang for organizing that. Everybody working together, right? But what it says to me is that Mike Norvell is not really worried about what his coaches are going to say when he's not around because he gets it. They're all on the same page. They're all pulling in the same direction. He wants us to have access to those guys. It's a beautiful thing. Good work out of you. Good work, Director Matthew. Our thanks to Alex Atkins and Ingram Smith. Thanks so much for watching and listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Alivations Friday. Peace.